Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. God can use you right where you're at. He's not waiting for you to fix yourself, right? Now, he needs you to be real, and we're going to talk about that today. How many, how many of you have been around church uh, for long enough that you realize that, that uh, if we're not careful, church and uh, uh, relationship with God incorrectly can cause fake Christians, all right? I don't mean to step on your toes today because I'm going to be stepping on mine too. Are you with me? But how many of you are sick of fake Christianity? Come on now. How many of you are sick of fake church, right? You come to church, and there's nothing wrong with coming to church, and, and, we, and we come to church, and we want to act a certain way and honor, in one sense, the house of God or the gathering of God. There's nothing wrong with that. But how many of you know church should be a place where you can just be real? Right? You know, for so many years, I grew up in church, and, and, and you know, I come to, I come to church, and, and you feel like you got to put on a show, all right? Well, listen to me now. At Faith City, Pastor Andy's heart is that you come here, and you don't have to put on a show. You can come here, and you can be real, and Pastor Andy's real. He comes up here on the pulpit and says, listen, I don't have it all together, and I'm here to tell you I don't have it all together. My wife's right here. You can ask her. <laughs> don't, though. But anyways, but, you know, a church should be a place where we feel safe. Not a place where we come and we feel like we got to put up this wall. Oh, you know, how you doing today, brother? Well, I'm blessed and high. nothing wrong with saying that. There's nothing wrong with saying those words. But, you know, we, we tend to say things. And, and you know, sometimes that, that's not the reality of our situation. And, and, and it's important to confess the word and to speak the truth over our lives. But there's times where we need to be honest with somebody. They're asking you how you're doing. And, and they're wanting the realness of, you know what? This week was pretty, uh, uh, pretty much garbage. Well, that gives you an opportunity for somebody to speak life into you, right? Now, the confession of the word is important, and we need to be cautious with our words because they can put us in danger, but there's a time to be real. And there's a time to say, you know what, right now I'm not confessing the word. I'm just being honest with where my circumstances are. Let me tell you how it is, right? So we're going to talk about uh, today, we're going to talk about Jesus' big issue, You can write that down if you're taking notes. Jesus' big issue. Now, Jesus' big issue is still his issue today. But what I'm talking about is is when Jesus came on this earth, and you can read this in the Gospels, uh, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are the four that that are Jesus' life. Jesus had a specific issue that he was consistently uh, coming against. A certain issue. Now, I know you're all like, well, watch my toes here. You're about to step on my toes and talk about my issue. Immediately, our mentality goes to, okay, is it murder? Is it, uh, is it lust? Is it, is, it, is it one of these things? You see, Jesus didn't come to the earth to correct people that were in sin. A matter of fact, Jesus hung out with sinners. Now, now, he understood that sin needed to be stopped and dealt with. But what he was coming to do was to deal with the root. Because if he could deal with the root issue then I don't have to come and tell you and control you and tell you to stop what you're doing. If I deal with the heart, then naturally you will fall in love with God and you won't want to do things that you used to do. So Jesus was coming to deal with an issue that was going to deal with the root. And the root is, is that I'm going to come and I'm going to pay the price for your sin once and for all. And it's no longer going to be 
do good to get good, but now it's going to be trust in me as your Savior, and as you learn to walk with me, I'll fix those issues. Are you with me? So the issue that he was dealing with, and we're going to, read, we're going to talk about this, the issue, and you can write this down, is self-righteousness. Okay. This is the issue. The issue that he was dealing with, and you'll see this consistently in the Gospels, that, that when you saw Jesus get real uh, passionate, he was passionate against self-righteousness. Now, it's a form of pride, and it's a form of religion. Now, when we use the word religion here, I want you to understand that religion can be a good word uh, in, in one sense that you use. to People will ask you, you know, are you religious? And you say, yeah, I go to church, and I have a relationship with God, and there's nothing wrong with you using it that way, but the real word for religion, actually, if you look at the definition of it, it means return to bondage. So when we use the word religion here, we're, we're using it for the real term that it is, which, which is not a good thing. Jesus didn't come to create a new religion. Jesus came so that you might have life and have it through him. He came that, that there's now a relationship of trust between you and the Father. Are you with me? Now, religion, what's the difference? Religion is a set of rules that you follow to try to become approved by your God. Every other, every other uh, religion, per se, or, or way of, of, of living for the God that, that, that is part of that religion is that way. You have to do this, do this, do this to be approved. Jesus settled the issue of approval once and for all. And he said, now it's all about you trusting in me, believing in me, accepting my sacrifice, and now you're a son, you're a daughter. Isn't that good news? Amen. So, so this was the issue is uh, self-righteousness. Here's the definition in, in Webster. It is convinced of one's own righteousness, especially in contrast with the action and beliefs of others. Now, we'll talk more about this, but basically self-righteousness, it compares yourself to others and says, I must be right with God because I don't dot, dot, dot. Right? I like to say it this way. Self-righteousness is striving to be right with God in our own effort. Now, God never intended for us to live this life in our own effort. And this is the problem. So Jesus came, and, and this was the way... Uh, of the old covenant, the way of the old covenant. Now, now, let me just give you a, a broad picture here. We're not going to get into detail about the old covenant, but the old covenant, and you can see Paul's writings that says this, the purpose of the old covenant, the big purpose of the old covenant was to let man know that they need a savior. Okay. So Jesus was coming as the savior and saying, Hey, everything's going to change now. You used to have to strive and try to be right with God, but now I'm going to come, and I'm going to make you right with God according to faith in me, and then when I make you right with God, I'm also going to put power in you so that as you trust in your right standing with me and as you trust in my grace, you can walk out the righteousness that's already in you. It's a little bit different. Because in the Old Covenant, and how many of you know that many, many, of, many churches and many people these days are still living according to the Old Covenant? In other words, I'm striving to be right with God apart from Him. Now think about that. I'm trying to be uh, good before God without His help. Let me just say this. You can't do it. And that's why Jesus came. Now here's, what, here's Jesus dealing with it. I want to read these, a couple scriptures here with you. 
And, and I want to talk about the first thing that self-righteousness will do is it'll cause you to look at and trust yourself rather than God. I said it'll cause you to look at and trust yourself rather than God. So here's Matthew chapter 5 and verse 21, and you can turn there. I'm going to pray as we read. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to speak. I thank you, Lord, that it'll be your word spoken. I thank you, Lord, that we will turn our hearts to you today. I thank you that we will open our hearts to see, God, that there is a better way, which was you in the new covenant. In Jesus' name, amen. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 21, here's Jesus. Now, now let me just set this up for a second because he's, 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 he's trying to bring men who were, who basically, these people thought highly of themselves because they did better than everyone else. In other words, they were the ones who said, oh, I, I pray and I fast and you know, and I, I, I haven't missed church in five years. And, and you know, uh, they only come probably, you know, five times a year. So, you know, it's like, it's like these people were, were boasting about their own righteousness. Okay? They, they, were, they were qualifying themselves before God. And here's what Jesus was coming against, this, this mentality. Now, going to church, how many of you know it's a good thing? And, and, and the more you go to church, we just talked about this in worship a little bit, but, but when you come together, there's something about coming together as a congregation uh, that, that there, there's a strength that you can draw from that you can't necessarily draw from on your own. Now, you can have your own relationship with God, and you can draw strength, don't, don't hear me wrong, on your own, but there's something about coming together. We need each other, right? So church is important. Praying is important. That, don't hear me wrong. What I'm saying is the idea that these things make you right with God is what's wrong. All right? So this is what Jesus was dealing with in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 21. He said, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. Now, you would think initially that, oh, Jesus is giving a, 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 a sermon against murder. But he's not. What he's trying to do is he's trying to bring man to the end of themselves because at this time he's, he's trying to transfer people over from a mindset of the old covenant into a, into a mindset of relationship with the Father, direct access, okay? So he says, you heard it was said, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. In verse 22 he says, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Now, whoa! In other words, he's looking at the person who thinks they're all that because they haven't committed the big one, right? They haven't committed one of the big ten. And he says, listen, he says, you think that you're doing all right because you haven't murdered. He said, but I know the heart. I know that when you were driving down the road yesterday and somebody gave you the signal, the birdie signal, and it rose up in you and you said, you know what? On the inside, you might have said, Gosh darn, but on the inside you wanted to say something worse. And a matter of fact, there was a heart in you that said, man, if I could, I'd slap that dude. Maybe worse, right? So here's what he's saying. Is he saying that, he's saying that you think that you're all that because you haven't committed one of the big ten. But he said, I know the heart of you. And I know that in all of your ability to try to perform for God, there's something missing. And it's me. And it's trusting in me. And I'm the only way that you can live right. Because in our own humanity, we've got to all get to the place where we admit, you know what? Without God, when I try to perform, there will come a day when your performance is not good enough. 
I said, there will come a day. There will come a day when you say, you know what? I've got it all together. I've got, I, I, I've got my willpower down. I've got my discipline down. I'm not doing the things I used to do, and I'm not doing that. And that's great. I'm all for it. But here's the thing. There will come a day when you're weak. There will come a day when life overwhelms you, and that temptation comes, and you can't handle it in that moment. Why? Because you need God. And in that moment, if you, were, if you are learning to take the journey of trusting God and saying, yes, I'm disciplined. Yes, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about my behavior because sin is bad. Sin causes harm. And, and it hurts other people and it hurts yourself. But here's the thing. I'm not trying to do this on my own. I'm depending upon God. And I understand that in my own ability, see, Paul said this, Paul said, I am the chief of all sinners. Now, he's, the, he's also the one that taught us that we are the righteousness of God in Christ, right? So are we righteous or are we a sinner? How many of you know we're righteous, right? When you become born again, God creates your heart and makes you at the core right with God. But here's what Paul's saying is he's saying, I don't forget where I came from. In other words, I don't forget that in my own humanity, if I'm not focused on my right standing with God, if I'm, if, if I'm not uh, focused on his love for me, I might slip up because I'm a human. So he finished with saying this in, in verse 22. He said, again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka. Now, Raka basically means uh, worthless. So he's saying, you may not have murdered someone, but, but, you, but you, have, you have thoughts and intents that are evil toward people. But you boast because so-and-so did the big one, but so I must be qualified compared to them. Because, And here's what Jesus was trying to say. In and of your own ability, you don't qualify. You don't qualify. And the realization of this is what allows God's grace to come in and help you. Are you with me? God wants to help you. In your weaknesses. He wants to help you. So are you saying that I can't live right? I'm saying that you can with God's help. I'm saying that yes you can. When, you, when you're resting in his righteousness. When you're resting in his forgiveness for you. And his love for you. And you're allowing his grace to flow through you. And part of allowing that is to realize. I can't do it in my own ability. Then yes you can. Alright. Some of you are with me. All right, so then in verse, in, uh, in, in verse 27, um, he goes on to say this in another passage. He says, you said that you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you, whoever looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her heart. So is Jesus teaching against lust? He's actually not. Now, lust is wrong, so he, he's, he is pointing that out. But what he's actually saying is, is that you would say, well, you know, I, I'm good because I haven't committed adultery. But then we ask the question, well, have you ever looked at a woman and lust? Well, yeah, but I didn't actually I didn't actually do anything about it. I didn't actually go forth with it, right? You know, how many of you know this? When the woman was caught in adultery, how many of you know she was, it said the Bible says she was caught in the act of adultery. Let me ask you this question. How does that happen? In other words, what kind of peeping toms were around checking this out? And then they're the very ones that came and said, and said, hey, let's stone her. And Jesus is like, hey, you without sin cast the first stone. How many of you know they couldn't do nothing? Because they're like, yeah, I guess I was wrong. I was right there looking. How'd they catch her in the act? So in other words, Jesus is pointing out that, that, that many times we get high and mighty in, 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 our, in our performance and our behavior. And he's trying to take you a notch down, not, not to make you feel condemned, but to say, you need me. 
And if you're going to live this life without a heart that says, I need you, then you're going to be subject to your own humanity. And your own humanity is prone to failure. That's the reason that Jesus came. You don't just need him when you, to get saved. You don't just need him to go to heaven. You need him every day. I need him every step of the way. Somebody say, I need him. Listen, we need him. You'll never get to the place where you say, okay, I'm good. Don't need God. That's a dangerous place to be in. Are you with me? So he wasn't trying to confirm their righteousness, but to expose their self-righteousness. Here's another example in Matthew chapter 23 where he's confronting it. He talks to the, to the Pharisees and he says, you cleanse the outside of the cup, but inside you're full of extortion. In other words, he's dealing with what we talked about, this fakeness. And in verse 27, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which appear beautiful inwardly, outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones. So in other words, he's saying, you, you know, when you walk around the streets, you act like you're all high and mighty and all this, but I know what's really going on. And, you know, many times we act like we got it all together, but, you know, you know the reality is, is that we need to just be real. That we got issues. Now, here's the fact, is that, how many of you know, everybody's got an issue? I saw some hands that weren't raised. Can you talk to me after service? Because I want to know how you do that. But here's the thing. Everybody's got an issue. And it's the admittance that, now listen, there's, there's, this is important now because we're not focusing on, we're not, we're not talking about going around and constantly talking about how weak we are and I'm this and I'm that. No, no, no. You focus on your righteousness in Christ. That's who you are. You're forgiven. You're righteous. You, you do have the ability to walk right with God. But here's the thing. You have the ability because of him in you, not because of your own ability. Are you with me? So there's this balance. You know, in one scripture, uh, Paul's saying he's the chief of all sinners. And in the next one, he's saying righteous. Which one is it? He's the righteousness of God and his identity. But he's also saying, you know what? Without this identity and apart with me understanding my identity in him and losing focus of it in my own natural ability, I'm prone to failure like everyone else. Are you with me? Now, sure, we can work on discipline and we can work on, on, on correcting our behavior. And that's all good and well. But what I'm saying is there will come a day when your behavior isn't good enough. You need him. All right. So I want to talk about Peter for a moment because we can all relate to Peter. Peter, when, when uh, this is, and, and maybe you haven't read this scripture, maybe you're not familiar with this, and that's okay. But when Peter first was introduced to Jesus, he was fishing. And Jesus was basically... Uh, he was trying to recruit some people to follow him. And he's saying, okay, I, I need some people. So he goes around, and, and guess what? Jesus didn't pick people who had it together, okay? He picked people who know they needed him. He picked people who he knew were teachable. In other words, they had a heart that said, you know what, God, I don't have it all together, but, but I'm willing to grow and become who, who you need me to be, right, to walk with you. So he picked Peter. Now, Peter was a foul-mouthed fisherman. He was he was. He wasn't, he, you know, he wasn't your, your grade A Christian. He wasn't the guy that had it all together. And there's nothing wrong with having it together. You understand what I'm saying here. I'm not saying, well, let's just, let's just live how we want because that's what God needs. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is we, as long as we realize that we need him, that's what I'm talking about. But anyways, uh, uh, Peter, he came before God and he said, and, 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 and his first words out of his mouth was, oh, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. 
have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. So he realized that Jesus was holy in that moment. And he realized that he didn't measure up. Now, Peter goes through, and, and if you don't know about Peter, Peter became this, this really a, kind of a leader amongst the disciples to where he, he, kind of, uh, he was kind of the voice a lot of times and spoke up, and, and you could see that Peter had a passion for God. How many of you know this is, a lot of, this is a lot of us should be able to relate to this. This is how you start off. When I became born again uh, early on, grew up in church, my initial response was, I don't want to go to hell. I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me. I don't want to go. Fear. I'll just be real with you. Fear. As a young child, fear. You know, and this is where Peter started off. And then then he began to grow in his relationship with God. And he he began to find out how good God was. And this love came from his heart to where he's like, you know what? I I just love God. And this love turned into uh, a passion and a a zeal. And, And this is what happens to many of us. But what happens sometimes is this passion and zeal, if we're not careful, it turns into us looking at other people and going, their passion and zeal don't look like mine. I must love God more than they do. Right? And, and Peter was one that began to speak out, and Jesus actually rebuked him a few times because he was getting ahead of himself and being like, you know, uh, you know I, I'm this and, and, and I'm that. And Jesus is like, wait a second, buddy. He's like, he's like I, I know you love me. But, but let me show you what happened here in Peter's life, a uh, significant time in his life. In Matthew chapter 26, Jesus said to his disciples in verse 31, All ye shall be stumbled at me for this night. In other words, Jesus was about to die in the Christ, and he said, Listen, you guys are going to betray me. You guys are going to basically turn your back and deny that you know me. And he said, All you have stumbled at me this night. I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after my having risen, I will go before you to Galilee. And here's what Peter's answer was. He said, even if all shall stumble at thee, I will never stumble. And one translation says, Jesus rebuked him. Now let me ask you the question here. Is what Peter said wrong? He didn't say nothing wrong. He basically said, listen, he said, he said I love you so much that I would never deny you. I would never deny that you're my Lord. I would never deny that I follow you. It sounds like good passion, doesn't it? I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but Jesus knew the heart. And here's where Peter fell. Here's where Peter uh, got into uh, uh, struggle here, is is Peter began to, to uh, to be high on his love for God, instead of being high on Jesus's love for him. You see, when you're high on Jesus' love for you, you will automatically be high on your love for him, but it'll be a natural thing. You won't be trying to muster it up. See, the Apostle John, you can see this in, in the Scripture, the Apostle John consistently said this. He said, I am the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he kept referring to himself that way. I am the disciple whom Jesus loved. I believe Peter's statement at this time was, I am the disciple who loves Jesus the most. Let me ask you the question, how do you, how do you know that? You see, what self-righteousness does is it bases your, your goodness or your performance uh, based on external means. In other words, 
Just because you express your love to God a certain way doesn't mean you love God more than someone else that doesn't express themselves that way, right? So Jesus was was coming to correct Peter and say, Peter, it is not your love for me that's going to cause you to not uh, deny me. Why? Because, let 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 me say it this way, your love for God can fail, but God's love for you will never fail. I said, your love for God can fail. And this is where we get into danger sometimes is we think, man, I love God so much, I'd never, I'd never do this, and I'd never do that, and I'd never, and I'd never, and, I, and I'd never, ever, because I'm so passionately in love with God, and that's great. But here's the thing. Your, your trust should not be in your love for him, but his love for you, because as a human, your love for God can fail. Your love for God can be limited. But let me tell you, when, when your love for God is naturally just booming is when you know how much he loves you and and you're and you're focused on God I thank you so much that you love me at that moment you can't help but to love him in return and you see that's the natural love that will cause you to never fail it is not your love for God it is his love for you so this is where self-righteousness can come in and be a defeat so I gave you number one and we're, and we're talking about four things that self-righteousness does. But number one was simply that we trust and we look at ourselves rather than trust God. So we think that we don't need him. He said it this way in Luke chapter 5. The Pharisees and scribes, the ones that he was battling against, they came to him and they said, how come you eat with, with the sinners? How come you eat with the tax collectors and the sinners? And, and how come you eat with them? And Jesus' response to them was, the healthy don't need a doctor, but the sick. In other words, you who think you're all that, I can't help you. Not that you're not sick, but you don't think you're sick. You don't think you need me, so I have no place in you. Are you with me? But he said, those that believe and understand that I need God, those are the ones I can come and help. How many of you know I want God's help? You want God's help. This is how you get God's help is to say, God, I realize that in my own ability, I can't do it. I am a failure in my own ability. But, 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 there is a but there. The but is I have your spirit living on the inside of me so I can do all things in him. But not in myself. Are you with me? So it's a balance there. So number two. What, what does self-righteousness do? Number two, it gives you Christian compulsive disorder. What is Christian compulsive disorder? It is always trying to add another good behavior to make yourself right with God. Or in other words, you make a mistake and you feel like, oh, I better go to church every single Sunday this month because I've got to make up for that thing that I did. Oh, I've got to pray for two hours because I made that mistake, so I've got to somehow make up for what I did wrong. That's Christian compulsive disorder. You are right now the righteousness of God in Christ. That doesn't change. You are forgiven. The moment that you make a mistake, in that moment, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Right? He made you that way. He made you that way. Your behavior doesn't change the fact that you're righteous in Christ. So this idea that we've got to kind of 
you know, do all these things. So does that mean I don't need to do those things? No, do those things. But it's the motive. The reason I pray with God is because I love to fellowship with him. I, I love to hear his voice. There's times where I need something and I want to come to God and say, God, you're bigger than this situation. I need you. Right? But I'm not coming to God and praying because I feel like i got to make up for something I did wrong. Now, if you're praying because you need to get yourself back to a place and you realize that you've gotten off focus, that's okay. But I'm saying that God is not this lottery system or this, or this do good to get good. That's not the new covenant relationship with God. So what happens is, is this brings this, this cycle of guilt. And we got to cover our guilt with good behavior. And we got to clear our conscience. And Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 11, in verse 28. He said, are you tired? Are you burned out? Because that's what this Christian compulsive disorder will cause. It'll cause you to be tired, burned out on religion, worn out. He said, get away with me. In other words, get away from that and come to me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, a relationship with God shouldn't be this constant struggle to, to, to try to perform good. No, what we need to get to the place of is that my performance is him living through me, right? In other words, I trust in him. It's not about me. It's all about him. And this is what, this is what he was saying is it's all about him. So we can live on this never-ending hamster wheel and end up competing or just feeling useless and never good enough. That's not what Jesus intended. Number three, what does self-righteousness do? It makes you look down at others that don't act like you. In other words, your mistakes are never as bad as others. How many of you know that sometimes we treat sin like lateness? What do you mean by that? Well, you know, I was a minute late, but they were 20 minutes late. How many of you know sometimes we treat, we treat sin like speeding? What's the speed limit? Well, the real speed limit, you know, when I'm going on, on the expressway, ah, it's about 74, 76 maybe. No, actually it's 70, right? And I'm not preaching against, against speeding because, you know, I don't always do perfect there by any means. But I'm just saying that we treat sin this way, and what it does is it makes us self-righteous because we're looking at other people and we're going, well, you know, I go 74, but I don't go 79. <laughs> I don't go 85. Those are the real sinners, Right? You know, you know, how many of you know that this is what happens when we're self-righteous is there's degrees on sin. In other words, well, my sin's not as bad as others. My, you know, your sin's real bad. In other words, we judge other people on their actions, but we judge ourselves on our intentions. So this is what self-righteousness does. How many of you know there's no degree of pregnant? Well, I'm just a little bit pregnant. No, you're either pregnant or you're not pregnant. That's why he came, though, because he knew you couldn't do it. And he said, you need me. Not only do you need my forgiveness and my mercy for your sins, once and for all, you're forgiven of your sins, but you also need my grace to come in you because, because I don't want you in a sin pattern that, that causes harm. God doesn't want you to sin. Listen. God doesn't want the negative impacts that sin brings to your life. He loves you too much. Now, are your sins forgiven? Absolutely. I said they're forgiven once and for all. Jesus paid the price once and for all. You say, well, even my future sins? Well, here's the question. Let me ask you the question. 
How old are you? Because Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago, and you think for some reason that he's going to get back up on the cross now and go, okay, I guess i got to die for new sins now because, because my once and for all sacrifice wasn't good enough. Unless you're 2,000 years old, every sin is future. Every sin is future. Well, I guess I can live how I want. Yeah, you can, but you're going to suffer consequences. That's not the way that God intended. God didn't intend you to use grace as a license to sin. Grace is not a license to sin. Grace is the freedom from it and the power over it. Now, does that mean you're perfect overnight? No, we're all on a journey. And that, this is where self-righteousness comes in. As we look at somebody else on their journey and we go, oh, you know, I can't believe they do that, you know. <laughs> you know. And then you look at yourself and, and you've got some issues, but your issues aren't as big as so-and-so's issues. All right, I stepped on your toes. All right. <laughs> All right, let's finish here because you guys are getting mad at me. So we look at the guy on the street, the homeless guy. How many of you know it's, it's, our, it's our automatic sometimes, it's our automatic response to judge. And we can all walk into this. But, you know, you, for instance, you look at the guy, uh, the homeless guy on the side of the street and you think, oh, you know, he's just going to use that money for drugs. I'm not going to do anything for him. Well, who says? Who says he's going to use that money for drugs? Who says? Now, I'm not saying every time you see somebody, you're, you know, but here's the thing. Your heart should be open to say, God, lead me, and, 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 if, and, and if, is this an opportunity for me to be a blessing? And really, we don't need to ask God necessarily to be a blessing. You know, there's times where we'll get a check, and God will say, no, that'll enable them. And you got family members who will give you a check, and he'll say, no, don't, don't do that. That'll enable them. And then maybe down the road, you'll see an opportunity where they've grown up, and you say, okay, now let me be a blessing to you. But the reality is, is that we don't have to be uh, led, per se, to be a blessing to people, right? We've got to be careful about this judgment mentality of, of well, you know, you know, that person, they're just, they're just this. And they're just, well, you don't know that. Well, they should be looking for a job. Well, maybe they are. All right, last one, number four. And we're coming to a close here. Number four is it will cause you to hide your failures. And we talked about this. It'll cause you to hide your failures and to make yourself look more holy than you are. In other words, it's kind of a show, right? It's this show. It's like, well, you know, I've got I've to look holy because I've got issues, but I don't want nobody to know about it. Because if they knew, they might know that I'm just as bad as you, Right? So it caused you to hide yourself. You know, once you understand grace and you understand the new covenant, there's no reason to hide. We're all in the same category. We're all a work in progress. We're all in this place where we're perfectly right with God because we're children of his, because he paid the price. We're totally forgiven. But we're all in the process of learning to trust him and to allow his grace to flow in our lives. And this is the way to true holiness. See, this is, this is what Jesus was dealing with, is, is, is it's a hard issue. You can be 110% as far as outward performance. But if your heart is off, then there's still an issue. And how many of you know self-righteousness is actually a sin in and of itself? So here's what Jesus did, is he came and he said, listen, I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to put everyone on the same playing field. If you trust in me, if you believe in me and accept me, I'm going to make you forgiven and righteous. Now learn to walk in the righteousness that I've given you. Learn to trust in me, and you can live holy this way with my help. Not in your own ability. I'm talking about 
Me living through you. So I want to close with this in Luke chapter 18. This sums up what Jesus was dealing with here and and really put it into perspective here. In Luke chapter 18 and verse 9, he said, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else. So this is what we're talking about. This is what Jesus kept dealing with was this idea of self-righteousness, pride, Religion, they're all kind of the same thing. He said to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even this tax collector. Now let me ask you a question. Is it a good thing to not be a robber, an evildoer, an adulterer, or even a tax Back then a tax collector was a bad thing. I know nowadays it's not. <laughs> but they were, the tax collecting at that time was thievery, part of it. It's not now. So if you're a tax collector, we forgive you. But how many of you know that, that what he's saying here, there's really nothing wrong with what he's saying. He's saying, I'm not these things. And it's good to not be these things, right? It's good to not be these things. But the tax collector stood at a distance. The one who in those days was considered a sinner. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Now listen to what Jesus said in verse 14. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. Now, was it about the action? Was it about the behavior? It wasn't. Because Jesus wasn't saying, go ahead and, and, and be, a, be a bad person. Go ahead and be this because, because you know, if you do that, I'm, I'm accepting you. No, no, no. He's talking about a heart issue. He's saying, he's saying one person was boasting about their performance and boasting about their behavior and saying, I'm right with God based on my performance and my behavior. When what this guy could have said was, God, I thank you that your grace and your mercy working through me has allowed me to resist these things in my life. And because of your love for me, because I've stayed focused on you, it's all about you, because of your grace and mercy, you have kept me from these things. You have, your power in me has caused me to resist these things. And God, I thank you for that. God, have mercy on me because I know that, that in my own humanity I could make a misstep. How many of you know that God would have said, you're fine with me because you realize your need for me? Even though you've probably grown up in the right situation and, and for that reason you've been taught to do right. That's good. That's good. You've been taught to perform and behave well. That's good. But just don't depend on that. Depend on me. So he said, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. This is the issue. Are you exalting yourself or are you exalting God? And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Amen. This is it. This is what we're talking about this morning. And this is why we came. We came because... We need the realization that we need him. Don't get to the place like Peter was where you grow up and you grow in the things of God so much that you get to this place where you're like, my love for God will take me. Listen, your love for God is great and we should love God, but it's not your love for God that's going to put you over the top. It's his love for you. So don't stop loving God. 
don't stop checking your heart. And, and, and in one sense, don't, don't, don't be afraid to express, I love God. Don't be afraid to express that. That's a good, that's a good thing to say. It's a good thing to declare to him. But what I'm saying is, is don't put your weight on your love for him. Put your weight on his love for you. Your love for him would be natural from that, right? You'd never love God more than when you realize how much he loves you. And it won't be a put on, it won't be forced. It'll just be an awe. Man, God, I love you so much. You've done so much for me. But you know, it puts us all on the same playing field because really if you realize how much he loves you right where you're at, outside of your behavior and performance and all this stuff, your love for him is the same as mine. When you realize how much he loves you, right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to share today. We thank you, Lord, that our heart, Lord, is to grow in an understanding of how much you love us, how in our identity we are perfectly righteous before you. But God, in our own humanity, we realize that we need you. And we thank you that that is where your grace comes in. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.